And to begin a message, I want to ask you a question to kick us off. How do you describe the church to other people? So what words or phrases do you use to describe the church to other people? For some of us, we might start with what we do here. We might start with what we do when we gather here on a Sunday morning. Or some of you might start with the people who are a part of our church and talking about our demographics and the different ages and the different types of people who are a part of our church family. Some of us might talk about the programs that we run throughout the week, the different things that we do together as a church, whether they're for us or whether they're for the community. Some of us might latch on to some of the images that the Bible uses, and the Bible uses lots of really helpful metaphors and pictures uh, to be able to describe what the church is supposed to be like. One of those is family, which we're going to talk a bit more about today. Another one is body, which we're also going to talk about today. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the idea of a field, that we have the opportunity to plant and to water seeds, but God's ultimately the one who does the growing for us. And there are lots of other metaphors in Scripture as well. So maybe you latch on to one of those. A couple of years ago, we uh, did some workshops and we talked about different metaphors of the church and we talked about what sorts of metaphors, we had a whole bunch of them, we felt really resonated with us as a church. And two that came up very strongly were the idea of a footy team and the idea of an orchestra and the idea of people being able to play their different roles and work together to be able to do something more than what they could do on their own. So that might be something that you hold on to. Last year, we talked about the metaphor of a jigsaw, recognising that all of us have a part to play, all of us with our different shapes and sizes are different pieces that work together to be able to create the picture that God's forming in us. It's a very important question because as we've talked about a lot and as we're going to continue to talk about, if we want to engage with the people who are around us, our neighbours, our friends, our extended families, uh, the people that we go to school and uni with, the people that we work with, who have never had any context of being a part of a church, we need to have some on-ramps for them. We need to be able to have some conversation starters where we can talk about what the church is like so that they've got a good understanding of being able to grasp what it is that we're trying to do together. So today we want to unpack that a little bit more as we continue this kickoff series where we're talking about the things that are crucial to who we are as a church. And so you hopefully grab some teaching notes on your way in so you can jot things down as we go through today's message. And if you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because that's where we're going to go in a couple of minutes. So a few years ago, as a church, we took some time uh, to do a fairly serious deep dive into exploring who we are as a church. And out of that came some phrases that, if you've been around for any length of time, are becoming very familiar to you. These three phases that we talk about a lot, being Jesus-centred, which we talked about last week, spiritual family, which we're talking about today, and then being passionate about seeing lives change, which we're going to talk about next week. The one that we struggled a little bit with the most was this middle one that we're talking about today, the idea of spiritual family, and particularly that word family, because we know that for lots and lots of people, their experiences of family are not necessarily positive experiences. More and more people come from broken families or come from significantly dysfunctional families, and people can then project all sorts of baggage onto that word family. And so we asked ourselves as a church, is this actually the most helpful word for us to be able to use? But as we unpack that, we talked about the reality that for most people who've experienced that sense of brokenness and who experience pain because of their family experiences, a part of why that pain is there is because they know what they're missing out on. 
And so what we wanted to talk about is to say, well, this is what we believe that word family can mean. This is what we believe we all yearn for and strive for. That's what we're working towards as a church too. And so together we talked about four different terms that really describe what we would say a healthy family is. Authentic, accepting, encouraging, and supportive. So in a healthy family, you are able to be authentic. So you can be real, you can be honest, you don't have to put on a mask, you don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You can be yourself. And you know that when you're with your family in a healthy context, you don't have to put on an act in any way whatsoever. You can be authentic. It's also a place where you're accepted, a place that you know that you belong, a place where people accept you, regardless of your background, regardless of what's going on, a place where you know that arms are going to wrap around you and say, you belong here. This is home for you. And a healthy family experience means that when we go to home, we're able to kick our shoes off, exhale, and again, be authentic, be ourselves. In a healthy family, you're also encouraged. And we often talk about encouragement in terms of kind of cheering people on, acknowledging the good things that people are doing in their lives and being able to say, that's so great. But the word encouragement has the word courage at the centre of it. And so encouragement is very much about giving courage to someone else, being able to say, I want you to step out. I want you to continue to grow. I can see more in you, and so I want you to be able to move out into that. And then supportive. In a healthy family, you're able to come together to be able to celebrate the good times. Tonight, our family is going out for dinner because it was my mum and dad's 50th wedding anniversary yesterday. And so we're going out to dinner tonight to be able to celebrate that. So in a healthy family, you celebrate really good things that are happening. But you also work through the difficult times that you have together. It's a place where you can grieve together, a place where you can cry together, a place where people will wrap their arms around you and you know that they're there for you. And so for us as a church, we would say that's what we're aspiring to be like as well. As a healthy church, we want to be a place where you can be authentic. You don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. When you come here, you can be real and honest and vulnerable in yourself. We want you to feel accepted. We want you to feel like this is a place where you belong. We want you to feel encouraged, both in terms of being cheered on, but also in terms of people saying, we want you to take your next steps in your walk with Jesus. And sometimes that requires courage We want to be here to kind of urge you on in that. And a place that's supportive, a place where we can come together to celebrate the good things that are happening, uh, but also to be able to cry together and to weep together in the times that are difficult. Now, we will never get that perfect because we're all people and we all make mistakes and we're not necessarily the best version of ourselves all of the time. But that's our aspiration. That's what we want to be like as a church. And so whenever we talk about spiritual family, those are the things that we're aspiring to. Those are the things that we're trying to work towards. And I hope those are the things that you've experienced as a part of our church family here at Brooklyn Park. And so as we kick off our year, we want to remind ourselves that that is the environment that we're trying to create. That's the sort of church that we want to be. And so today we're going to look at that from a different perspective. Because Paul uses the imagery of family a lot in terms of how he talks about the church. But his other favourite metaphor is the metaphor of the body. And when we look at this metaphor of the body, it really helps us to understand what a healthy family looks like just through a different lens. So once again, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to be reading from the message translation. So Paul says, You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. 
Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. So I want you to actually do that. Just stop for a moment and think about all the different parts of your body. So start from your head, start to work your way down and just start thinking about all of the different parts of your body that are part of your head, your face, work your way down and then start thinking about all of your muscles and all of your bones and all of your ligaments and all of your cells. When you start to think about it, it's a lot. There's a lot of parts of who we are. It's really staggering when we really pause and recognise, wow, we're made up a lot of stuff in our bodies. But Paul reminds us it doesn't matter how many of those you can name, it doesn't matter how long that list gets, at the end of the day, it's all a part of your body. All of those things are what work together to make you, you. All of those different elements. And so Paul continues and he says it's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptised. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. So Paul reminds us that when we make this decision to say we want to follow Jesus, that we make a decision to say, I'm not the one who calls the shots anymore. Instead, we unite around Jesus, we follow Jesus, we live for Jesus, we let Jesus have the final say in our lives, in our priorities, in our decisions and in our actions. And so that's part of the reason why we love baptism so much because it really beautifully demonstrates the two things that Paul's talking about here. The first is that when someone gets baptised, they have an opportunity to be able to say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. And what they're effectively saying when they make that declaration publicly is Jesus gets to call the shots. Jesus is the one who's in charge now. Jesus is the leader of my life. But then symbolically, we do something beautiful where we immerse them in water. And that's what the word baptise actually means. In its original context, it meant the word immerse. And it was used to talk about the idea of dropping a piece of cloth in dye. And then it would come back out and it would be completely transformed. It wouldn't be the same anymore. And so when we talk about baptism, we're talking about symbolically demonstrating that, that when we go under the water, we're transformed and we come back to life with a new identity, with a new purpose, with a new sense of priorities, as we talked about last week. We come back to life as a part of Jesus's resurrection body, as we also talked about last week. That sense of victory, that sense of joy, that sense of courageous life that we get to experience because of Jesus. All of that is beautifully demonstrated as we go through the waters of baptism. But part of receiving that new life and that new identity is that it washes away the old labels that we used to use about ourselves. And so no longer do we see ourselves as Church of Christ versus Baptist versus Uniting Church No longer do we see ourselves as based on our cultures or based on our jobs or based on our relationship status or anything else. There are no other labels except being a follower of Jesus. End of story. Now, 
that might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. We might be squirming a little bit with that to say, hold on a minute. Does that make me kind of less significant? Does that minimise me a little bit if all of the other identity factors that I might hold on to are gone and I'm just kind of absorbed and lost, swept up into this body and that's it? Sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that's what unity looks like, that everyone just becomes exactly the same. But that's not actually unity, that's uniformity, which is very, very different. All have to believe the same. All have to be the same. That's uniformity. Unity is actually something very different. And so Paul particularly addresses this about whether we lose our significance because of this fact that we're being swept up and our identity is centred on being a part of Jesus' body. In verse 14 he says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, so I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If it was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. So Paul reminds us that a body is a body because of all of the different parts, not because any one or two parts are more significant. And a body is a body because all of those parts work together. And I think this is a part of why those two images of a footy team and an orchestra were so helpful to us when we were talking about what a church looks like. Because we recognise that on a footy team, if everyone just wanted to be a ruckman or everyone just wanted to play forward or everyone just wanted to play as a defender, it wouldn't work at all. A team is a team because all of the different parts play their parts and when they work together, they can do something far more significant than on their own. Same thing in terms of an orchestra. If an orchestra was all piccolos, it would pierce your brain and be terrible to listen to. If an orchestra was all violins, it wouldn't sound anywhere near the same. It's as each part plays its role and works together that it forms something so much beautiful than any one or two or three of those parts could do on their own. So getting rid of our old labels and recognising that we're a part of the body doesn't actually make us less significant. But instead what we discover is that we find that significance in relation to Jesus and in relation to each other. And if we're willing to embrace this, this creates a significant amount of freedom in us. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to stand out. I don't have to be the one who's making a difference. All of that takes all the pressure off because when my significance is based on what I can do, what happens when I mess up? All of that significance is just melted away. We feel completely inadequate. We feel completely insignificant. We beat ourselves up. I can't get this right ever. This is why I'm not important. If we attach our significance to what we can achieve and to who we are, inevitably it falls apart. But instead, when we recognise that we're significant because we're a part of the body, because we're a part of the family, we don't have to do anything to stand out. We know that we're loved. We know that we're accepted that we're worthy, that we're affirmed, that we're embraced. 
because we're a part of the body. So our unity is not about all of us trying to be exactly the same, about losing the essence and uniqueness of who we are. It's about appreciating our differences, utilising our differences, working together, learning from each other, valuing each other, even and probably especially when we're actually different. But we do have to be careful that we don't swing too far the other way either. Sometimes we can minimise our significance because of this imagery, but Paul also gives us a warning not to go too far the other way. He says, I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you're a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture, isn't it? Stop and think about that for a moment. Just one gigantic eye rolling around on the ground. (laughs) Or a hand that's been cut off. It's enormous, this big. That's monstrous. It's awful. It's a good reminder for us. Every single metaphor of the church, every single reference of the church that we read about in Scripture is always about a group of people. It's never about individuals. Every time it's about a group of people. And this is an important thing for us to wrestle with because it's something that many of us have asked at different times and that we know lots of people who are asking this question. Do I have to be a part of the church to be able to follow Jesus? And in particular, a lot of people ask this question because they've been hurt by the church or they've had bad experiences in the church or they've experienced frustrations. They're like, I'm done with that. I just want to follow Jesus. Do I really have to be a part of a church in order to be able to do that? Technically... You can follow Jesus on your own. You can have a relationship with Jesus. You can read your Bible. But Paul's imagery here is very helpful about what ends up happening so often when we choose to just do it on our own. It's easy for us to get things out of perspective. It's easy for things to blow up and become much bigger than they should be or could be. It's easy for us to focus on the wrong things when we just go off and do it on our own. We need each other. We need each other's perspectives. We need each other to challenge each other so that we can continue to be as rounded as possible as we follow Jesus together. So Paul continues and he says, What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, Get lost. I don't need you. Or head telling foot, you're fired. Your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body, you're concerned with it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honour just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? Once again, just beautiful imagery from Paul here that I really, really love. Would you rather have your intestines and your digestive system working well and all of the implications that come with that, or would you rather have beautiful, long, flowing locks? What would you prefer? 
a great reminder that we're no more or less significant because of how visible we are. And in actual fact, some of the things that are not so visible are far more important than some of the things that are more visible. This is crucially important because as we again think about this idea of significance, so often we measure ourselves against other people to find our significance. I'm not as good as them because I can't sing like them. I'm not as good as them because I can't speak like them. I'm not as good as them because I can't do all of those things that that person does. Or because we measure ourselves against other people's roles. I'm not as significant as that person because I can't do those upfront things. I'm not as significant as that person because I can't do those leadership things. I'm not as important as that person, maybe even because I can't do some of the things that I used to be able to do. For us at Brooklyn Park, this is crucial to remind ourselves about who we are and who we want to be. That it doesn't matter about whether the roles that we play as we work together are upfront roles or are behind the scenes roles. All of them matter. And it doesn't matter what age we are or how early we're stepping into those things. I love the fact that we've got Sunia who helps out with the projector and we've got Katie and Rachel and Erin that help out with God's Gang. And that we go all the way up to the top and I was going to start naming some people. I was like, I'm not going there. So we have some people who are more mature than others who are also involved in different roles with us as volunteers too. And that's really great as well. In a healthy spiritual family, this is how we should function. All of us chip in to be able to help the chores to get done. That's what happens in a healthy family. And I'm so grateful that we have so many people who are involved in so many things with us as a church. Did you know that we have over 40 people who are involved in specific volunteer roles? Stop and think about that for a moment. Over 40. That's really, really amazing. Because sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that there's just a few key people who do a lot of the work around here, often because they're the ones who we see up the front. But it's a beautiful, there are 40, more than 40 people who are involved in helping us to do all of the things that we do on a weekly basis as a church family together. So I want to remind you about the different roles that we've got. And part of this is to say, if you're a part of any of these roles, we're really grateful that you play these roles. But also to say, if you've been thinking about getting more involved or if you're feeling a bit of a nudge to say there's something that I could do, these are some great places to be able to start. So we have our hospitality team who do such a great job of welcoming us when we arrive here, answer any questions that we might have, give us the stuff that we need each week. The people who set up our coffee and tea serve our coffee, a very, very crucial and important role after the service. The people who set up and serve communion for us the people who just make us feel welcome and create an atmosphere of hospitality. We have our kids and youth leaders. So our kids leaders who help us out on Sunday mornings and then our youth leaders who do such an awesome job running our youth program on Wednesday nights. We have our tech team who do a great job of making sure that we can see things that help us to be able to know the words when we're singing songs and to complement the things that we're talking about, help us to be able to hear the things that we're talking about together. We have our music team that play songs and sing songs that we all then get the privilege of being able to enter into to help us to be able to centre ourselves on Jesus. We have our upfront roles, the people who lead our services, the people who lead our prayer times, the people who lead communion together. And we talked earlier that with Phil's role, we also are developing this pastoral care team 
a team of people who are going to be working away behind the scenes to help us to do a great job of being able to care, particularly for those who are in isolation or those who are in aged care facilities or going through difficult times. We've also talked over the last couple of weeks about the opportunity that's there, that we would love to have some people who are willing to drive some people here on a Sunday morning, that there are some of us who aren't able to drive like we once could to be able to get here for our services. And so we'd love some people who'd be willing to just stick their hand up and say, once a month, I'm happy to go and get someone and to make sure that they can come and participate and be a part of our service here. And so if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can have a chat with Phil about that so many beautiful roles that we play. And this is without getting into all of the other things that we do that are the things that reach out into the community. We're going to talk more about them next week. And this is also not talking about all of the things that we do throughout the week where we are Jesus's body in all of the different spaces in which we go into. When we're teaching, when we're parenting, when we're serving other people in other volunteer roles. All of the different things that we do throughout the week create opportunities for us to live all of this out. And some of those are obvious, some of those are behind the scenes. Again, we'll come back to that a little bit more next week. But there's also another role that every single one of us can, pray, can play, which is to pray. Just got those two quick to be able to pray together. And I know that there are some of you who aren't able to step into any of these key roles in different things that you're doing because of all sorts of different things that are going on, but you faithfully pray for us. You pray for me, you pray for Phil, you pray for our leadership teams, you pray for the programs that we're running, and that makes a huge difference. And every single one of us have the opportunity to be able to do that throughout the week as well. That's another part of us working together as the body as we move forward. Paul says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for our understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Paul drives home that this imagery of us being a healthy body is a beautiful model for understanding what our church is supposed to be like, what a healthy family is supposed to be like. With this final reminder that we need each other, that when we go through difficult times, we're supposed to be there for each other. All of us have had those experiences where we've got a sore back, just affects everything. Where we stub our toe, somehow that affects absolutely everything. Where we're having digestive issues, that definitely affects everything. One thing affects all of us. And so we want to be there to support each other. But also to be able to be there to celebrate with each other the way that a body does when it's healthy and functioning well. So I want to give us an opportunity to be able to reflect on what that looks like as we head into this year. How can I help Brooklyn Park become an even healthier body this year? I'm going to give you some space to be able to think back over all of the things that we've talked about and what do you sense that God is saying to you about the role that you've got to be able to play to help us to be the healthiest body possible as we move into this year. Take some time to jot some thoughts down or talk to the person next to you. We'll come back and we'll pray together.
Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these beautiful pictures that you give us of what the church is supposed to be like. We thank you for this picture of family. We thank you for this picture of being a body. And for the reminder that church is not about a building, that church is not about even the programs that we do, but it's about our relationships and our connection with you and with each other. We thank you that you create us to be equal in that, that none of us are supposed to stand out or be more significant than one another, but equally none of us are supposed to minimise ourselves or feel less significant than each other that you have a role for every single one of us to be able to play and that it's only as we work together that we have the opportunity to be healthy. And so we pray that as we move into this year, as we continue to explore what it means for us to be a healthy church, a church family, a body that represents you, that you would continue to remind us of the piece of significance that we get because of who you say that we are, not because of what we do, not because of what we can achieve, because of who you say that we are and that as we embrace that sense of significance and our identity that's connected with you, you would give us more and more confidence to be able to play the roles that you've got for us to play, to be able to work together to help other people to encounter you, to work together to be able to help other people to discover what it looks like to be embraced and a part of a healthy family, to find their role within a body as well. In your name we pray. Amen.